Liverpool a few years since by James Aspinall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Chad Horner. Chapter 19. The Church in the days we are speaking of was in a very torpid and sleepy state, not only in Liverpool but throughout the land. None of the evangelical clergy had then appeared in this district to stimulate the pace of the old-fashioned jog-trot high churchmen neither had laudism revived under its new name of pussyism nothing was heard from our pulpits but what might have passed muster at athens or been preached without offence in the great mosque of constantinople in fact extract of blair was the dose administered sunday after sunday by drowsy teachers to drowsy congregations if it did no harm it did no good we did not here speak of james blair commissary of virginia president of william and mary college etc whose works little known contain a mine of theological wealth we allude to dr hugh blair whose sermons so celebrated in his day and long after are really when analysed nothing better than a string of cold moral precepts mixed up with a few gaudy flowers culled from the garden of rhetoric we have often wondered at the praise beyond measure which dr johnson again and again bestowed upon blair's diluted slip-slop and namby-pamby trifles he not only spoke of them in the highest terms on every occasion but thus in his strange way once exclaimed i love blair's sermons though the dog is a scotchman and a presbyterian and everything he should not be i was the first to praise them such was my candour at all events as we have already stated extract of blair was the pulpit panacea universally prescribed at the beginning of the nineteenth century and we are bound to add as far as our youthful recollections go that the majority of the liverpool clergy in those days were rather below than above the average of mediocrity there were some among them however whose names are worth recalling one of the best preachers in those old times was the incumbent of st stephen's byram street the rev g h percy a fine fellow in every way he is still alive at his living of chadesley in worcestershire to which he was presented through the influence of old queen charlotte his mother-in-law the wife of the rev mr sharp then vicar of childwall had been about the court in some capacity or other and it was the good fashion of her majesty never to forget her friends mr percy must have reached the age of the patriarchs at least then there was the rev mr milner of st catherine's church temple street which was removed in making some improvements in that part of the town per mr milner when not washing his hands he employed each hour of the day in running after the hour before and was always losing ground in the race a kind-hearted man he was and a pleasant one when you could catch him he was known as the late mr milner the rev mr Bus preached in those days at christ church he was considered to be a brilliant star in the pulpit and was indeed a first-rate scholar a fellow-student with the illustrious canning who made many and strong efforts to reclaim him from a course of life which unhappily contradicted and marred all his sunday teachings but even with regard to his sermons effective and telling as they were made by style voice and manner it was found after his death when they passed into other hands that they were chiefly blair with others copied from the popular writers of the day a clergyman 
who was to preach before the archbishop of york had the choice of them for the occasion he picked out the one which seemed to him to be the most spicy and telling and confident at the time that it was the production of vis himself delivered it with mighty emphasis and stunning effect when it was over the bishop blandly smiled praised it exceedingly and then to the honour and astonishment of the preacher whispered i always liked his sermons naming the author from whom it was taken never did poor jackdaw feel so much pain at being divested of his borrowed plumage one of the ablest men although a mumbling kind of preacher in those times was the reverend mr kidd who was for so many years one of the curates of liverpool a kind of church serf who could never rise to be a church ruler he had many kind friends and at many a table which we could mention a plate and knife and fork were always laid for the poor curate but he ever appeared to us to be an oppressed and depressed man with a weight upon his spirits which nothing could shake off there was indeed a romance attached to his history although he was perhaps the most unromantic-looking person that the human eye ever rested upon he was a brilliant scholar when a student at brasenose college oxford and his hopes and ambition naturally aspired to a fellowship it was supposed to be within his grasp but how wide is the distance between the cup and the lip the principle was unpopular and some of his doings were severely flogged in a satirical poem which appeared without a name its cleverness led him to suspect mr kidd and without looking for any other proof of the authorship he became his sworn enemy and used all his influence and only too successfully to turn the election against him some love affair we have also heard but this was it may be only one of the tales of our grandfather went wrong with him about the same time so that altogether he was thrown upon the world a sad and downcast man with blighted hopes and blasted expectations from his very youth and settled down into the curacy of liverpool where he saw more than one generation of inferior men inferior in scholarship in learning in wit in all and everything promoted over his head a pleasant agreeable quaint and original companion was poor kid amongst his intimates but tongue-tied in a large party he saw through the hollowness of the world and despised it there was nobody like him for unmasking a sham and reducing a pretender to his real and proper dimensions and then his chuckling laugh when he had accomplished such a feat and impaled the human cockchafer upon the point of his sarcasm and how bitterly he would allude to his curate's poverty as smacking his lips over a glass of old port at some friend's table and he did not dislike his glass of port he would tell us that his own domestic allowance of the same was to smell at the cork on a weekday and to take a single glass to support him through his duties on a sunday poor fellow once upon a time and such godsends did not often fall to his portion he had married a couple among the higher orders and received for it a banknote which perfectly dazzled him then came the marriage breakfast then the marriage dinner he was a guest at both and perhaps took his share of the good things which were stirring his way home was through the haymarket another gentleman whose path was in the same direction hearing a great noise came up and found our friend fighting furiously for his fee with a lamp-post and exclaiming as he struck it with his stick you want to rob me of it you scoundrel do you but come on we'll see 
he was a relation of the celebrated mr kidd who wrote one of the bridgewater treaties and who lately died at oxford full of years and honours another well-known clergyman in those days was the reverend mr moss who was afterwards vicar of walton for so many years his share of the drum ecclesiastic was decidedly the drumstick but although a very moderate performer in the pulpit he had a very good standing in society and was very much liked in his own set not over witty himself never was man the cause of so much wit in others and often at his own expense he was known in his own circle as old england because he expected every man to do his duty that is he never met a brother clergyman by any chance without seizing upon him and asking him if he could do his duty on the next sunday in allusion to his convivial qualities and bad preaching somebody once said of him that he was better in the bottle than in the wood this gave him such dreadful offence that he positively consulted his lawyer on the subject of prosecuting the impious blasphemer for a libel the answer to his inquiry was a hearty laugh on the part of the solicitor himself with an intimation that he would be laughed out of court also amidst a shower of jokes about the poet's description of the oxonians of that day steeped in old prejudice and older port and be poked with all sorts of fun about canting recanting and decanting the decanter triumphed although it was a strong allusion to the original offending joke and the idea of a prosecution was abandoned mr moss had an intense horror of all sorts of innovations and in the case of the first railway that between manchester and liverpool this feeling was greatly increased by the fact of his being a large shareholder in a certain canal which might be affected by its success he was in a fever of excitement and almost raved whenever the subject was mentioned in company he long clung to the notion that the accomplishment of the line was impossible and fabulous he magnified every difficulty dwelt upon every obstacle and concluded every harangue on the question with the triumphant exclamation but never mind they cannot do it chap moss will stop it chap moss will stop it this was said in allusion to that great bogey waste so called which for so long a time did really battle with the baffle the skill and efforts of the engineers on one occasion when our friend had been holding forth in his usual strain and finished with a look of defiance at all around him chap moss will stop it mr thomas crowther who was one of the party quietly answered depend upon it your chat moss will stop it this to us is the purest essence of wit and very ni plus altruism of it the force of humour can no further go like pitt's description of what a battle should be it is sharp short and decisive it is brilliant pointed telling there is a joke of almost a similar kind in boswell's life of johnson i told him writes the former of one of mr burke's playful sallies upon dean marley i don't like the deanery of ferns it sounds so like a barren title dr heath should have it said i johnson laughed and condescending to trifle in the same mood of conceit suggested dr moss but the wit here is overdone and wire-drawn until it becomes forced heavy and exhausted crothers extempore retort beats the laboured efforts of burke boswell and johnson all put together as it bursts forth sparkling glittering dazzling on the spur of the moment depend upon it your chat moss will stop it we treasure a good thing when we hear it and love to embalm it 
Mr. Crowther, the author of this unrivalled witticism, had a twinkle about the eye which seemed to say for him that he had many a shot in the locker of equal calibre and ready for action. We did not know much of him ourselves, but we have always been told that his stories of humour and wit were as rich as they were inexhaustible. The specimen, or as men say in Liverpool, the sample which we have given amply justifies such an opinion. We must not forget to mention, in connection with the Reverend G. H. Percy, that of the sons of Liverpool were these under his care in 1804, and who thumbed their lexicons with redoubled zeal when promised a holiday to witness the marching and countermarching of the brave army before his royal highness prince william of gloucester in moss lake fields or bank hall sands where are these now the following although in the sere and yellow leaf are still fit for active service w c ritson e molyneux thomas brandreth f haywood r w preston and James Boardman, the Reverend James Aspinall, rector of Althorpe, Lincolnshire, was also long a favourite pupil of the Reverend Patriarch. End of chapter 19 of Liverpool a few years since by James Aspinall.